This is the WQA podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. One side is the economy and sort of supply and demand, and the other piece is demographics around the worker. When you think about the workforce, we're gonna talk a lot about this during the boot camp. is what's going on in the economy, and then what are you as a leader supposed to do about that? That's John Fraze, Senior Managing Director at Ankara Consulting, a global human resources advisory firm and featured speaker at this year's WQA Business Boot Camp coming up March 4th, 2024 in Orlando, just one day before the start of the WQA convention and exposition. And welcome to the weekly podcast of the Water Quality Association, where we promote better water quality around the world. If you're a first-time listener or viewer, or new to the industry, welcome. We're glad you're here. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. That's the magic of podcasting, so we would encourage you to do that. And, of course, be sure sure to share the podcast with someone on your team. And we are now presenting these podcasts on our YouTube channel. Go over to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at Water Quality Association videos. Check us out, I think you'll like it. And in this episode, we are joined by John Fraze for a sneak peek at his presentation at the upcoming WQA Business Boot Camp. We'll talk about HR trends, the state of the workforce, the difference between salaried and hourly workers, and they don't all want the same thing, and how these changing trends impact water treatment dealers. And we'll have our WQA tip. So, on to my conversation with Business Bootcamp speaker John Fraze on the WQA podcast. And we welcome John Fraze to the podcast. John is head of global labor strategy at Ankara. He's also on the board of the Workforce Institute at UKG, which is a software company. And he sits on the advisory board at hr.com. So John, welcome, glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. You're a bootcamp speaker and bootcamp this year is going to focus a lot on HR. So we're glad to have you as one of the speakers for that. But let's just uh, kick things off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, background, and Ankara, and uh, and all that you do. When you say boot camp, I feel like I've got to go start doing push-ups and sit-ups. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to show up as fit as I possibly can. Um, I, I spent the last 25 years designing and implementing labor strategies for companies all over the world. Um, I ran my own business for a long time, sold it into private equity, which is Ankara now, about a 2,000-person consultancy focusing on a wide range of client challenges. Mine is labor though. Mine is the workforce. And, you know, we see that change over time, different trends. And we work hard to do the research to get ahead of those trends and then coach our clients on what they can do considering the realities of the environment. Okay. Sounds interesting. And, you know, obviously a lot uh, that uh, to unpack there as we, as, as we go through the conversation. So when it comes to HR and dealing with trends, what are you seeing these days? Well, <clears throat> there's a lot of misinformation out there. So the, the first part, we talk about the workforce, we need to talk about the economy, right? About a year ago, we had 1.8 open jobs for every one person seeking work. Uh, 
So lots of jobs, not enough people. We're at about 1.4 open jobs right now. So the economy is cooling a little bit, especially the job market. More of the cooling is occurring in the salaried workforce and the frontline hourly workforce, where we can continue to see a lot of demand and a lot of imbalance in supply and demand. So although I think a lot of salaried employees are uh, are not job hopping as much, they're seeing a cooling economy, they're seeing a potential recession, hourly employees continue to jump from job to job, driving employers crazy. So one side is the economy and sort of supply and demand. And the other piece is demographics around the worker. When you think about the workforce, we're going to talk a lot about this during the boot camp. is what's going on in the economy. And then what are you as a leader supposed to do about that? And what you're supposed to do, I think, is really understand the realities of this marketplace. One is I was, I was just on Fox Business talking about the Gen Z generation, right? Which we, we love to put down entire generations without really understanding the facts. And the Gen Z population is especially challenging for the employer right now. And it's not because they're lazy, but it is because they're entitled. Now, people say entitlement, this is such a negative thing. Entitlement is a wonderful thing. You want to be entitled to all of the wonderful things in the world. And when you don't have children, you don't get married, you stay at your parents' house, you don't take on a mortgage and those financial obligations, you have a certain set of freedoms, right? It's If I have three kids, a mortgage, and you know a range of other financial responsibilities, you better believe I'm going to be at work on, on Monday morning. But if I don't have those things, and I'm in a job where there's a terrible culture, and my boss doesn't treat me with respect, and I don't have the ability to make an impact every day, I'm going to go somewhere else. It turns out we live in a free country, right? Capitalism isn't just for the owner of the company, it's for the employees of the company, and those people are allowed to quit, and they are quitting. Last year, 52 million people quit their jobs in the United States, 52 million, not to retire, but to go find another job with a better better culture, better leaders, and a better place for them to make an impact. Any way of knowing, John, whether they were quitting to move to something that was being offered to them, or they were quitting and then looking? We see both of those because there's so many jobs out there, especially for the hourly workforce. It doesn't matter either way, but we saw we saw a lot of both. There are a lot of people poaching and a lot of that poaching came in the form of billboards on the side of the road saying, we will pay you $30 an hour with no experience or skill in manufacturing or in supply chain or in distribution or in field services, $30 an hour in places like Birmingham, Alabama to do a job that you've never done before. And you're making 1750 driving a lift truck or you're out in field services doing water quality checks or installing filtration system. And you're saying, they're paying 30 and I don't have to know anything. So people were lured away, right? But people also went and found those jobs. Some people quit and said, I'll find something next week. And they did. The market is that rich for the workforce. So you mentioned this, that uh, this is all driving the employer crazy, trying to figure this all out. And then once you get somebody and trained and then they go somewhere else, you feel like you've wasted all that time and money and you got to go do it all over again. So what are kind of the solutions, if you will? What What's the overview that you're going to be giving our members? Well, one thing is <clears throat> solution number one is stop blaming the employee. You're supposed to be a leader. Right. And so leadership is critical. I'm not here to placate an audience and tell you that everything's okay and it's everybody else's fault. You have a role to play. 
in this exercise. And the reality is when there's a lot of open jobs out there and we live in a free market where people can go work anywhere they want, what is your responsibility as an employer, as a leader in an organization to make it an attractive place to work? And there's a couple of things that I think are really important if I were to simplify. On the leadership side, there's three things that you need to do. And then tactically, there's a few other things. But on the leadership side, you need to be a trusted leader. And if your employees don't trust you, frankly, they shouldn't work for you. There's three characteristics. Number one, you need to be authentic. So they think they're deal- they know they're dealing with the real you. Number two, you need to have empathy. You actually care about their success and want to see them succeed in the business. And then <clears throat> the third one is you need to be logical. You're capable of making good decisions. So those are three things you can control as a leader. But the other piece is, what are you going to do for the employee themselves? And I'm, we want people to be hard workers that show up every day and do what they said they were going to do and overachieve and all that. To help them do that, we need to give them access to information. We call it the Google effect. How am I supposed to be an impactful employee if I don't have the information and tools I need to do my job? So number one is think, do my employees have what they need to make intelligent decisions all day long? And when we're in the services industry particularly, this is very, very important. Number two is, do I have decision rights? We have a lot of small business owners out there, and they are very, very controlling, right? They're micromanagers for good reason, right? They are very concerned about the success of their business. But if you do not give your employees decision rights, they cannot make an impact in a way that will drive performance in your business. So access to information and decision rights. If you give them the information and don't give them the decision rights, they're going to leave because they know what the answer is, but they can't do anything about it. And if you don't give them the information and you give them the decision rights, they're going to make a lot of really bad decisions. So getting that balance between access to information and decisions is critical, especially for the small business owner. And yet, uh, all of that is an unknown to the would-be prospect out there that is possibly going to take a, a, a leap and join your company. How do you convince them ahead of time that this is the culture that they're going to be coming to? Does that well, make sense? There's a lot of forces working against you. Glassdoor.com, Indeed.com, LinkedIn, Google reviews. People generally who have a great experience at their, their job do not go online and write about how wonderful it is. But people that have a negative experience go immediately online and trash the company. So you're fighting against a typically negative environment about problems with your culture. So you've really got to walk the walk, not just talk the talk, and it takes time. But every day, you behave in a way that is responsible and respectful to the employee while still encouraging and driving results and holding them accountable and doing all the things you need to do to drive a business. Um, You're going to start building that trust and relationship and reputation. Now, we we have something that I'll I'll talk about called the results triangle. And I usually make fun of consultants that talk about circles and squares and shapes and all that stuff because I think it's ridiculous. (laughs) But this one is so basic that I think that we all have to at least acknowledge that it's true. If you look at experiences that an employee has, experiences create a certain set of beliefs. So if I'm experiencing a culture where my boss goes out of their way to make sure that I feel welcome, that I have decision rights, that I'm able to make an impact, that I feel valued in the business, I'm going to believe that they care about me. So experiences drive beliefs. And if I have great experience, it's going to have a sort of strong, positive beliefs in the business. Those beliefs I have are going to create actions, how I behave in the company. If I have a leadership team that believes and leads me and cares for me and does all this, I'm going to behave in a certain way where I give discretionary effort. 
And that's going to create a certain set of results for the business. So if you're not getting the results you want as a business leader, you need to go all the way back to experiences. What kind of experiences are my employees having that are causing them to believe certain things that are causing them to behave in a way that I do not want them to behave? These are the things, I mean, this is basic human nature stuff, but we just jump into, man, I I told him to do it and he didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't do it because he's got a set of beliefs that are a problem. Or he's just a bad employee, we should fire him faster. But like, that's a separate argument we'll get into. Oh, yeah. I mean, I and I have heard that. It's uh, hire fast, but fire even faster. Is that one of the expressions? Something it along is, those lines? It, if you care about your workforce, you will fire faster. If you care about your employees, you will protect them from the ones that are toxic and get them out faster. I had somebody, I was, I was a keynote at a conference in Las Vegas recently where at the end I had Q&A and this guy got the microphone and said, listen, I've got 142 supervisors. About half of them are bad but you can't fire them. You got to figure out what to do with them. So what do you recommend? And I said, you fire them. How dare you as a leader have 70 to 75 bad managers, quote unquote leaders that are creating a toxic, terrible environment for your hardworking employees. You fire them. What do we do for governance? Well, what are you doing for governance now? You've got half your people are terrible. I'd rather protect the culture in the short term and find better leaders. All right. Anything else that we uh, should touch on that you'll be touching on at boot camp before we wrap this up? Well, one of the things I think is important. By the way, I wanted to say, you're sounding a lot like a boot camp drill sergeant. (laughs) As I'm I'm listening to this. There was the the CEO of a company, I was speaking in Denver at one of those biodome places, this huge resorts. And they said, John did not placate the audience. It was a gut punch and a call to action. But the reality is we have to tell the truth. I don't want to waste people's time. Right. We have to tell the truth. So one other piece of information that I think is important that I want to touch on is something called true labor costs. We can talk about labor psychology and we can talk about how to be a leader and how to be curious and how to be trusted and all this stuff. But understanding the cost function is also important, including the adverse costs of overtime. When you have big jobs and and, and some of the sizes of these businesses, it's, it's very spiky. It's not like we just have the same amount of work all the time. Overtime can be a really effective tool, but I want to touch on the financial implications of overtime with the group. In some cases, overtime is actually cheaper than straight time. And I'll go through that math with everybody. It'll be very logical and they will, uh, they'll own it at the end. All right. Hey, John, this has been great. I know it's just a taste of what you'll present. So we're looking forward to seeing you at bootcamp and for you viewer, listener, um, I want to encourage you right now to get on over to wqa.org slash convention where you can get all the information about boot camp, which is taking place in Orlando one day before the convention begins. And that will be on March 4th and then stay for the convention March 5 through 7. So John, appreciate it. Uh, look forward to seeing you. Thank you. Take care. Our WQA tip, you can now search the entire WQA convention and exposition schedule online at wqa.org convention. Search by day, by topic, uh, by track, or by available credit. It's all there so you can prepare for the convention coming up in Orlando March 5th through the 7th. 
and uh, also WQA Business Boot Camp, the WQRF Symposium, and the RO Sizing Workshop taking place on March 4th, one day before the convention begins. If you haven't signed up yet, what are you waiting for? Learn more and register at wqa.org convention, and we'll see you in Orlando. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the WQA podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Learn more about professional certification, product certification, and how you can become a member at WQA.org. This is Wes Bleed, so long from the Water Quality Association.